0: Today's Gospels from Mark chapter 3 and will serve as the basis for the sermon today. Then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, He is out of his mind. that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. His end has come. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up. Then he can plunder the strong man's house. Truly, I tell you, people can be forgiven all their sins and every slander they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They are guilty of an eternal sin. He said this because they were saying he has an impure spirit. Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him and they told him, your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother? And my brothers, he asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. The Gospel of the Lord. Dear fellow redeemed, a way to describe you in the word redeemed as one purchased, brought back, someone once lost, now found in the word of Christ who forgives you all of your sins and paid for you by his own blood. Picture yourself in a cul-de-sac with two houses because that is the view of the world Jesus is giving you today as he meets people who are saying he's possessed. He is a gentle, faithful teacher, and you and I need to listen to his words. And we get to hear him describe your little cul-de-sac Is having two houses, one with the lights on and one that is perishing. And that is the way he helps you see the world. And there is not a bone in my body or yours that does not wish with every fiber of its being to be and remain in the house of light the house of our Lord, and away from the devil and his curse. It's big. It's big. Not only is it big, but our confessions say this about our dear Lord Jesus. The confessions, the Lutheran confessions, say that to know Christ is to know his blessings, not the color of his eyes, not the sound of his voice. To know Christ is to know his blessings, his gifts, his truth. To know Christ is to know him that way. You think of the ministry of the word giving you what it gives you in Christ. It doesn't give you a picture of Jesus to hang on the wall. It gives you a creed to hang on your heart. To know Christ is to know his blessings. Now, you know me a different way. You don't have a creed based on a pastor, you don't you know me by the color of skin and the sound of my voice and things that i've where i'm from or something like that you know experientially but to know christ what the confessions are getting at is the saying the key to living in the house of god is to know what blessing jesus brings into your life and today this gets ultra serious Because anything apart from knowing Jesus' blessings, not just his name, not the color of his eyes, not what he looks like, to know what Jesus gives you, what Jesus means for a sinner, is what keeps you under his roof. So when you walk into that house of his light, you would see the word of forgiveness in all capital letters as a banner over the mantle. You'd see a skylight over the ceiling saying, you have the hope of eternal life in this place. You'd have the warm fire of God's love and grace to warm your hands. You have a robe of righteousness hanging in your closet. This is what it is to live in this house. And the devil will do whatever he can. To get you out of it. So we meet Jesus' mother and brothers in their humanity, in the flesh relationship they had with him, saying, We're not going to sit at Jesus' feet and listen to his words as those of the Savior, Messiah, God has promised we have something else as a bee in our bonnet. Jesus, you are out of your mind. It's interesting to go back in time. I mean, we kind of went through Holy Week and Easter and the sending of the Spirit. Now, we go all the way back to Galilee and ministry to start listening to Jesus' teaching. But this this is quite the scene. And I can only imagine, if you put yourself in Jesus' shoes, knowing in your heart and mind that your mother and your brothers have set foot from Nazareth to come and find you and do one of these and saying, this is ridiculous. The Galilean ministry of Jesus was gaining popularity. Jesus was getting crowds. Wherever he went. And the word again was in this text. Do you remember? And Jesus came into a house, and again a crowd gathered. It's a repeated thing because he was getting attention from the miracles and the way that he taught. People were coming and listening to Jesus and sitting at his feet. And not only that, but his family, mother, Mary, and brothers, apparently thought that Jesus was slowly writing out his own death sentence if he kept drawing this kind of attention. What do you want to be, Jesus? You want to be another rebel against Rome? You trying to start an insurrection? Are you gaining a following of soldiers? You're gonna weaponize these people and march to Jerusalem? What's going on? We're here to, like, family intervention. We're gonna save your skin, Jesus. We're coming. To get you out because you're out of your mind. There's so many people involved. This is getting out of control. You and your disciples can't even eat. So when they heard, they packed their bags and they went to save Jesus. They were going to pull him out of his house. They're going to tell him to stop being who he was. Jesus and his disciples are full send. They are all at it for finding and making disciples. Finding people willing to listen and teaching them the word of God. That's the house he was building. And mother and brothers were coming to put an end to it. And isn't it interesting that Mark's gospel and the telling of the story starts with this little teaser thought of what the mother and brothers were saying. He's out of his mind. And then it just leaves, and it goes, and the teachers of the law were saying something, like two different camps, totally unrelated, Nazareth and Jerusalem, right? Totally unrelated places, but Mark wants to make this connection. Put it before your eyes. Listen in. People are saying different things about Jesus besides we love you, you are the savior of the world. They're saying other things, and his own family's saying he's out of his mind, and the experts in scripture, the teachers of the book, are the ones saying he's possessed by Beelzebub, the lord of the flies. He is possessed by the prince of demons, and that's how he's driving out demons. He just mashes those two thoughts together. Listen. Listen to what people are saying. You know what people do when they talk? Words have influence. Words move people from a position of I once believed this, I once thought this was true, words move. Mary and the brothers have come to a consensus, a little family community consensus that Jesus is out of his mind. And the teachers of the law have verbalized and come to a consensus that they are ready to go preach and teach to other places that Jesus is possessed by Satan. And that's how he's driving people out. I want you to catch. The sense of the spread, the wildfire spread. Little spark and a little family, teachers of the law, they wanted everybody, they wanted everybody to get this. This is darkness aiming to spread, to take those two houses, and they are rival houses on that cul-de-sac. And Satan was entangling people in animosity, working to spread their word about Jesus against the house he was building of disciples who were sitting at his feet. So do you already see the warfare we've been talking about? God said himself, you are going to have this tendency to ally yourself, make allies with Satan, and I'm going to put enmity there. I'm going to fight this. And I'm going to put that animosity between your offspring and hers. I'm going to build a church that's counter sinful nature. I'm going to build a church that's counter cultural. I'm going to build a church that thinks of heavenly things and not of earthly things. That sees the world my way and not the world's way. So God was promising that this would happen. And we see it here in this text. Mother and brothers are coming and they're saying he's out of his mind. And the teachers of the law are saying he's possessed by Deelzebul. Well, guess what? It's time for Jesus to get out the weapon of his word. And Jesus opens his mouth. And he is not indifferent to these thoughts. He is not passively letting them, tolerating their position. He deals with them in love, with illustrations. Did you hear that? He says hey guys, (laughs) he calls them over. He calls the teachers of the law over. He says, hey, a kingdom divided against itself, does that stand? A house divided against itself, does that stand? (laughs) If you... If you were in a building project and you put up a wall one day and the next day you come back with a sledgehammer and tear it down, doesn't that seem a little unproductive to you? If I owned a Walmart and then I came and I built the next year another Walmart right next to the one I already owned, doesn't it sound a little counterproductive? A house divided, competing against itself. Doesn't stand. What if I lined my Walmart with all bunch of Target ads? Do I really think I'm going to get a bunch of good business at my Walmart? It's self destructive behavior, we call it, right? Satan driving out demons? This doesn't even make sense, Jesus says. Kingdoms divided, they fall. Houses divided, they don't stand. If Satan is opposing himself, shooting himself in the foot, we've said, his end has come. But, think about the alternative. There's only one person who can take that demon out of a person, like robbing that demon of its place. There's only one person that can manhandle the strong man and rob his house. And that's the person who first has tied him up. So just want you to think if I'm driving out demons and it's not Satan shooting himself in the foot What strength do I have? If I am driving out demons it means I bind up Satan listen to what Jesus is claiming I have bound up Satan And I am plundering his house. I am stealing. You didn't know that there were three thieves on the cross on Good Friday. Jesus is a good crook. He's a good robber. He's in the best kind of Robin Hood style thievery. And he is stealing and looting and plundering from the devil's camp. And that's how he says it. This is a contrast. This is what I'm doing. And this is the Spirit's testimony. That this I in the fullness of the Spirit, I as true God, would drive out demons in this world is a sign to you of my person and my power and my work. The gospel is defined in one of the epistles of Paul as destroying the devil's work. Destroying the devil's work where you want to see the sledgehammer you put it in Jesus hands you go to that other house in the cul-de-sac and watch Jesus topple guilt with the word of forgiveness watch Jesus topple hell and claim souls out of it and say you have no power over this one because I am their savior and they live because of me this is what Jesus is saying in these words that I've tied up the strong man and all that he has done my words saved these people My words shelter these people. My words protect these people, the ones sitting at my feet here. You, saying anything else, not knowing that gift, not knowing that blessing, are in danger. So my dear Christian friends, when the world says one thing and Jesus says another, we are talking about day versus night heaven versus hell, God against Satan. This is significant. If you are playing cozy cozy with some sin in your life, as if it weren't serious anymore, you've gotten your calluses built up. You've been working this sin enough in your life and it just doesn't prick you anymore. You don't feel its sensitivity. You don't get pained by it in your conscience like you used to before. If that's happening, that's devil work to pluck you right out of the word of God and that house. If you think that the word toleration is probably just a good word society is using and we could do more of it in the church. If you're thinking that the church should evolve and move out of some sort of ancient conservative viewpoint, these are word games that people are playing that will rob you of living according to scripture, living according to God's word. It's Call it conservative if you want. It's not the most helpful term. God-pleasing is much better. I live because this is pleasing to God. I know what to call black, darkness, and I know what to call light of the Lord. I know what to say is God's pleasing, and I know what to call wickedness, not by my own judgment, not by my own authority, but by the word of the Lord. And I depend on that word of the Lord to keep me safe from the devil. So you see what What kind of things get planted in people's hearts and minds? And you think to yourself, Jesus' own family and the teachers of the law could stumble into this? Then what about us? You don't think COVID is going to have its damage on the church for a while? You don't think they're your fellow members using this as an excuse to walk away? It's happening. You don't think there's a temptation that could come your way that would pull you away from Christ? Jesus said, he's a strong man. And he doesn't say, you bind him up. He says, I plunder. With my word, I bind him up. Oh, these poor people we are, caught in this epic tug of war. I pray that Jesus would keep you in faith despite every obstacle. You could snap your fingers and think of some excuse. To walk away from the body of Christ in this world. You could think of something someone said, something someone did, something that happened in the God's house here among the sinners and say, I'm gonna go find a more perfect family of believers to be with. I don't know. You could do something like that. I just don't want it to rob Jesus from your heart. I do not want the lies and the webs of the world to have their grip on you and you don't want them to have their grip on me. We are protected by the word of God in Christ alone. There's one who has bound up the strong man and he's plundering his house. My dear brothers and sisters, that says a lot about Jesus and his work to destroy the devil's work. says a lot about our mission as a congregation. We will and we must stand firm on the Word of God because it goes against my sinful nature. I am not here to be pleased. I'm not here to hear words that make me feel good about myself. I'm here to get and grow closer to Jesus. I'm not here to to do something that pleases the culture or the world around me. I'm here to be what God has made us to be, as light in the darkness and the salt of the earth. I'm here to pick up tools and weapons that I don't understand, but I pray for the Spirit's understanding, that I could speak with God's name and God's words in the world to do his work, Tis wonderful, plundering, the best looting, Robin Hood kind of work that it is and to bring people out of that house into this one. Jesus has the two opposites. When you look at these houses, at the end of this reading, he has two in the warmest or the most dangerous phrases he could use. He says, all sins can be forgiven people, except the sin of pushing forgiveness away. Did you hear that? There is an eternal sin And that eternal sin says no to the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit says you are forgiven in Jesus' name, when the Holy Spirit says you have eternal life because of Jesus, when the Holy Spirit is doing this point, 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 point to Jesus in the cross, and you say, "Uh uh-uh, he's out of his mind. He's possessed by the devil. He has an evil spirit. You push that away. There's no forgiveness that you've stepped out. You've pushed away the only thing that could help you. That's what makes it an eternal sin. He calls it out, oh, in this like great tragedy, and sorrow, love that he has for people, and then he says, "As mother and brother come knocking on the door, and they stay outside. Why? Did you, why did you stay outside? Like you just would not want to have a part of it yet? What?" foothold does the devil have on you that wouldn't even listen to one sentence of the teacher that day. And they sent someone inside to retrieve Jesus and save him from his out of mind And Jesus, in such a tender moment with his sheep, says, who are my mother and my brothers? Think of what this meant for him to say out loud with his mother and his brothers outside. Here. Don't look at worship attendance any other way. We're not here to be friends. We're here to be counter-nature, counter-cultural. We're here to die to ourselves and live in Christ. Come and sit at his feet and cling to his words. It's the only way and truth and life. Go fish for people. Bring them out where they're stuck to love them with his word that they too may know his blessings. To know Christ is to know his blessings. What is it to know Satan, to know the lies, and the tricks, and the danger? God keep you far from it. God help us as we gather and plan our next three years next week, and we think about what we are going to do in the trenches of our warfare together for the sake of one another's faith and in this community. And God be with us as we learn and grow in knowing his word and sharing that word with others. It's a part of our mission statement to grow as a family in Christ. Not grow as a family of friends. Not grow as a family in any other way. But to grow as a family in Christ and for his name's sake. God be with us as he blesses us to do it. Amen.